hatta until. So Zulqarnain, what did he do? He went on a particular way, or he used his resources until ida balaga when he reached Maghrib al-Shamsi, the setting place of the sun. Maghrib is the place or the time when the sun sets, or where the sun sets. So he reached Maghrib al-Shams. Wajadaha, he found it, meaning he found the sun. He saw the sun. Taghrubu, that it was setting. Fi in, aynin, a spring, that is hami'ah. That was dark in its color. Muddy. Hami'ah is from the root letters ha, meem, hamza. We did the word hama in earlier. Hama in masnoon. That Adam a.s. was created from hama in masnoon. And remember that hama is mud that is extremely wet and basically it's when water stands at a particular place it's not absorbed it does not flow from there eventually what happens it becomes extremely muddy so ayn and hamia a spring that was very dark in its color it had a lot of loose wet mud in it and secondly it is said that ayn and hamia it's described as hamia because at the time, as the sun was setting and darkness was coming in, the color of that spring looked extremely dark. It seemed as though it was muddy. Do you understand? As the darkness was coming in, with the fall of darkness, the color of the water, it appeared to be extremely dark. And Ainin is used for a spring, but such a spring from which the water comes out, but it gets collected. Remember the word yambu'ah? Yambur is when water flows. But Ain is when water flows out of the spring, but it gets collected. So we see that Dhul Qarnain, he traveled to a particular place. And this place was Maghrib al-Shams. It was where the sun was setting. And he saw the sun setting in a dark, murky spring. Now remember that in the Quran, many things are mentioned according to how a person would view them. We know that obviously the sun does not go into the water. But it appears to a person as though the sun is going into the water. Now what is this place, Maghrib al-Shams? Some have said that it is a place that is extremely distant, a place of extreme west. And beyond this spring, beyond the water, he did not find anything. So it was like the end of the land where the sun was setting. And beyond this water, there was nothing else that he could see. What does it show? He reached a limit. You understand? I mean, all the land to his west, he had conquered it. And beyond this water, there was no other land in front of him. So basically he had conquered all of the land to his left. So basically all of the western lands. Secondly, it is also said that إِذَا بَلَغَ مَغْرِبَ shamsi, It refers to the time of sunset. Because remember, Maghrib is غَرْف. So until he reached the time of sunset, and he found that the sun was setting in a dark, murky spring. وَوَجَدَ And he found عِنْدَهَا Near it. Meaning right by the spring, right by the spool of water, he found qawman, a people. And this indicates that he conquered those people. So he conquered those people as well. He conquered that land as well. 
Now remember that Dhul Qarnayn had been given authority by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. مَكَّنَّا لَهُ فِي الْأَرْضِ So قُلْنَا we said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Dhul Qarnayn that يَا ذَلْ قَرْنَيْن O ذَلْ قَرْنَيْن Why is it ذَلْ قَرْنَيْن? It's munada, okay? And it's becoming mansub because of the ya. Yeah. So ya dhul qarnayn o dhul qarnayn imma either antu adhiba that you punish wa imma or anta takhira that you take fihim concerning them husnan a way of goodness. Dhul qarnayn was given a choice. Either you can punish these people or you can treat them with kindness. He was given such authority as well. Now does it mean that he would punish the people unjustly? No, he wouldn't do that. Because remember that Dhul Qarnayn was a just king. He was a very intellectual person, a very wise person, and he did not misuse his authority. So when he was given this freedom, when he was given this choice that either you can punish them or you can treat them in a good way, this is because... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that Dhul Qarnayn would make a good decision, a correct decision. This is just as when the Prophet ﷺ conquered Makkah. Did he not have the authority to take revenge from every single person? Did he not? He did. But what did he say? لا تثريب عليكم اليوم Go, there is no retribution upon you today. يغفر الله لكم May Allah forgive you. So similarly, Dhul Qarnayn was also given this authority. But what did Dhul Qarnayn say? Qala, he said, أَمَّا مَنْ ظَلَمَ As for the one who is unjust, and remember that shirk is the greatest injustice. So the one who does zulm, meaning he does not believe in the oneness of Allah, he commits shirk, فَسَوْفَ Then soon نُعَذِّبُهُ We will punish him. Then that person, we will punish him. Who? The person who is unjust. But then, summa يُرَدُّ Then he will be returned, that very person, إِلَى رَبِّهِ to his Lord. فَيُعَذِّبُهُ Then he will punish him. عَذَابَ nukra, A terrible punishment. Remember that as human beings, as human beings, as those who impose law, people have the authority to punish only to a certain extent or only to a certain limit. True justice or full accountability Full recompense. Who gives that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, a person must never exceed what Allah has given as punishment in the dunya. Like for example, if Allah has said that a particular person who has committed a crime must be punished in a certain way, then we are no one to exceed that punishment, saying that, oh, what he did was extremely wrong. Like for example, if a person has committed theft, what's the punishment? His hand should be cut. Now a person cannot say, no, but he committed theft and this is so wrong, he should be killed. No, we cannot exceed the punishment. Because our job is to just give the punishment that Allah has legislated in the dunya. And who will give the exact retribution? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَيُعَذِّبُهُ عَذَابًا nukra. He will give the punishment in the hereafter that is terrible. That is extremely great. And nukra over here gives meaning of extremely severe punishment. So what do we learn in this ayah about the justice of Zulqarnayn? That he says that yes, for the wrongdoer we will punish him. 
But eventually who will give him the punishment that he deserves? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَمَّا and as for مَنْ آمَنَ The one who believes وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا And he also does righteous action فَلَهُ Then for him جَزَاءً Is a recompense that is الْحُسْنَى That is excellent. And what is that jaza? Jannah. Meaning in the hereafter such a believing and righteous person will get paradise. And how are we going to deal with this person in the dunya? وَسَنَقُولُ And soon we will say لَهُ to him مِنْ أَمْرِنَا Concerning our affair, Yusra is. Meaning, with regards to our command to this person, we will give him an easy command. We will deal with him gently. We will deal with him with ease. What do we see over here? Two types of people are mentioned. Dhul Qanain was given the authority. He could punish or he could deal with goodness with all the people. What was the justice of Dhul Qanain? That the one who is guilty, I will punish him. But Allah will give him punishment where? In the hereafter. And as for the one who is good, the one who is righteous, he will have Jannah in the hereafter. But now we will deal with him in an easy way. Do you notice something? The order in which he mentions the recompense that is going to be given to each of these two individuals in the dunya and also in the akhirah. For the zalim, what does he mention first? Adab of dunya And then he mentions the adab of Akhirah For the believer what does he mention first The reward of the hereafter And then he mentions the reward in the dunya Why? Because the reward of the hereafter Is greater than the Reward of dunya Isn't it? And the objective of a believer The purpose is what? To attain the reward of the hereafter. That's his goal. That's his purpose. That's his mission. But we see that the zalim, what does he fear more? Does he fear the punishment of this dunya more? Or does he fear the punishment of the hereafter more? The punishment of the dunya more. That is why it is mentioned first. So do you see the order in which the reward and punishment are mentioned? There is a wisdom behind that. Summa atba'a sababa. Then what did Zulqarnain do? He continued in his conquests. He followed another way. Notice over here, he doesn't stop. He says, oh, I have reached the extreme west and I have conquered all of the western regions, all of the western lands and everything is in my control. I have so much authority that I can punish and I can forgive. I can treat well and I can hold accountable. I can do whatever I wish. He does not stop over there. What does he do? He continues in his work. Many times what happens, if a person has accomplished a particular task, he thinks he has done so much and he doesn't need to do any more. Isn't it? I have studied the Qur'an once. I have done my diploma. That's it. What more could you do? This is the maximum that you can do. But we see that for a person whose goal is the akhirah, whose goal is Jannah, he never stops working. He continues. He continues with his mission. And this is why Allah gives him the ability to do one thing after the other. To achieve one thing after the other. We see the scholars of the past. They wrote so many books. For example, if you look at Ibn Kathir, he wrote Tafsir. right? Then he also wrote Al-Bidayah wa Nihaya. From the beginning to the end. The history of human beings. He has written about the stories of the prophets. He's written so much. And generally we think that 
okay, only this is my field. I can only do this work. This is why let me focus all of my efforts and energies into this one way. But the fact is that when Allah has given you the ability to accomplish that, move on to something else. Don't just sit there. And who can do this? A person who knows that I have only been able to accomplish this by the mercy of Allah. He will continue. And the person who wants the ajr in the hereafter, he will continue. He will never stop. He will never take rest. We see that Musa and Khadr also, فَانْطَلَقَ فَانْطَلَقَ Kept on going. We see that Zulqarnain also, أَتْبَعَ sababa. And we see that the Prophet ﷺ, after his death, what did the Sahaba do? Did they stay in Medina? No, they left Medina. They traveled to far off places to spread the message of Islam. And we see that Rabir ibn Amir, when the Muslims, they entered Persia, they were asked by the people that why have you come here? Why have you come here? And he replied that we have come to liberate man from the slavery of man and instead make them the slaves of Allah. This is what our mission is. And if this is the mission of a person, then he can never say, I have accomplished my mission. If a person's goal is Qur'an in every heart, in every hand, then he will never stop. He will not say that, okay, I have it in my heart, in my hand. So alhamdulillah, no. His goal is that I should take it to every heart, every hand. And he will not stop until his last breath, until his last moment. He will continue going. فَأَتْبَعَ sababa. And remember that learning, gaining knowledge is a lifelong process. Serving the deen is a lifelong process. A person can never say, okay, now I have done and now I can retire. A believer never retires until the angel of death comes to him. We see that Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, even at his deathbed, he was asking questions, trying to learn more about the deen. So what do we see? That a person whose goal is the akhirah, he never stops his work. He never thinks, okay, now it's the weekend, now the course is over. Now the holidays have begun. So let me stop my recitation of the Qur'an. No. It's an ongoing process. It's a lifelong process. It never comes to an end. Summa atba'a sababa. Then he followed away. He took another mission. He undertook another mission. One expedition after the other. And also we see over here again, summa atba'a sababa, that he continued to use his resources. He didn't say, okay, I've done too much now. Let me live a very simple life. Let me live like a hermit. No. Because remember that if anything benefits you, if anything creates ease for you, you should be greedy for it. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Ihris ala ma yanfa'uk." Be greedy for that which benefits you. So if anything creates ease, if anything enables you to do your work, and Allah has given you the ability to buy it, to afford it, then get it and make use of it. Make your life more productive, more simple. So that you can achieve more. Unfortunately, we think that if we're very pious, if we're very righteous, then we should not have a phone. We should have a phone that is very old, out of simplicity. It should not be the latest model. Whereas the fact is that if a person has the latest model, for example, it will enable him to do much more work on his phone. It will make him more productive. I remember that my mother says that when the washing machine first came out, you were like, huh? There was a time when it first came out? Yes. When it first came out, my grandfather was one of the first persons to go and buy it. Why? Why do you think so? Because it saved time. 
For who? For my grandmother. And my grandmother, she mentioned things such as she would be working in the kitchen or she'd be doing something and her father-in-law would come and say, just leave this and go read Quran and go read something and do something better. So we see that if anything speeds up your work, use it if Allah has given you the ability. If you think that using the dishwasher is going to save your time, yes, it may cost you more money perhaps, but it's going to save your time, which is going to enable you to do something more, then give preference to your time than to your money. Especially when Allah has given you. Sometimes we see that people will spend so much time looking for the best deal. That, okay, where is the sale? Here or there? Where is it cheaper? It's $2 cheaper over here? Let me go here. Is $2 more important to you than two hours? Think about it. I remember once there was a scholar who was visiting Canada and it was winter at that time. And somebody had taken him shopping to buy a winter jacket. So he went to the store and the first jacket he found, he just bought it right there and then. He didn't do any you know, shopping around the stores, seeing, okay, where is a better deal? Nothing like that. And this person who took him is like, you know, wait, let's go to another store and you see what's better and then you can buy that. He said, no, my time is much more precious to me. So if we become like that, that we use the means that Allah has given us to save our time so that we can be more productive, then this is better for us. And if we spend our time saving money, a dollar here, a dollar there, one thing here, one thing there. How much can we save eventually? Whatever you will save, whatever you will buy, no matter how good it is, eventually you leave it. Isn't it so? Al-malu wal-banuna, zinatul hayat dunya, wal-baqiyatu, as-salihat. So spend your time doing the salihat, not acquiring the mal and banun. Hatta until, إِذَا بَلَغَ مَطْلِعَ الشَّمْسِ Until when he reached the rising place of the sun. What is this? The east. So before he reached a place of extreme west, now he reaches a place of extreme east. Wajadaha, he found it. Tatulu, it is rising. Ala qawmin, upon a people. So he saw the sun rising upon a people, and these people, lam najal, we did not make lahum for them, for those people. Minduniha, against it. Against what? Against the sun. Sitra, any shield. The word dun gives many meanings. Over here it gives the meaning of against. So these people did not have against the sun any shelter, any shield. What is sitr? Something that covers, something that hides, it becomes a barrier. So what does it mean by this? They had no shelter against the sun? This has been understood in a number of ways. First of all, that these people had nothing that they could take as a shelter against the heat and the light of the sun. Think about it. When there is sun, what do you do in order to be safe from its light and heat? What will you do? You will go inside a building. If you are outside, you will perhaps stand under a tree. You will stand by something whose shade is protecting you from the light of the sun. But these people had nothing. So it is said there was no building, there was no mountain, there was no tree, there was nothing at all that could cover them from the sun. They were constantly under the sun. So perhaps these people were extremely poor, extremely backward, in the sense that they were not developed at all. Similarly, some have said that these people had no clothes. They had no clothes. 
What does it show? Poverty. You know how recently there were these tribes that were discovered in um, South America? Did you see on BBC or National Geographic? And uh, you should see how these people are basically wearing nothing. And savage tribes, right? Savage tribes. So Allahu A'lam what the reality of these people was. They had no building, they had no structure, no tree, and they didn't even have any clothes to protect them from the sun. Allahu A'lam what kind of people they were. So you can imagine how far, how deep Zulqarnain must have traveled. That he discovered he came across such people as well. Some have said that what this means is that the sun was constantly on their heads. Once it rose, it was constantly above them. لَمْ نَجْعَلْ لَهُمْ مِن دُونِهَا sitra. The sun would not set. Do you understand? The sun would not set on these people. Or if it would set, it would set for a very little time. And there are places upon this dunya where the sun sets for only a few hours or sometimes a few moments. And sometimes it doesn't set at all for several months. So perhaps these people were located in one of these places. كَذَلِكَ Likewise, وَقَدْ أَحَطْنَا And we had encompassed بِمَا لَدَيْهِ with all that he had. Who had? Zulqarnain had. Khubran in knowledge. Kadalika, meaning the matter of Zulqarnain was such. What? That he reached the west and the east. He conquered the western lands and also the eastern lands. He went to the extreme west and he also went to the extreme east. This is how it was in reality. وَقَدْ أَحَطْنَا And you think this is a big deal? وَقَدْ أَحَطْنَا And Allah had fully encompassed بِمَا لَدَيْهِ Of whatever the Dhulqarnayn had. خُبْرًا in knowledge. خُبْر is like خَبْر. So everything that Dhulqarnayn had seen, everything that he had come across, everything that he had come to know, everything that he had discovered in his travels, in his conquests, Allah knew about that already. You know when people discover something new, they think, wow, this is a big deal. We're so intelligent. We're so capable. We have discovered this today. We discovered that yesterday. But what does Allah say? Allah knew about that already. Allah knows about that already. وَفَوْقَ كُلِّ ذِي عِلْمٍ عَلِيمٍ And also if you look at it, Zulqarnain went to so many places. The west and the east. Extreme west, extreme east. And who has complete knowledge about his activities? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where exactly he went, what exactly he did, Allah knows about every single information. It may be hidden from the rest of the world, it may be hidden from the people, but it's not hidden from Allah. So no matter what a person achieves, no matter what a person acquires, what should he remember? That my Lord knows more. And my Lord still knows about me. Because many times people become so arrogant about their knowledge, that they begin to say, even God does not know. Even God cannot destroy this. They are so arrogant to say such statements. But the fact is that Allah knows about everything. He knew about every activity of Zulqarnayn. Every conquest. Every step that he undertook. Every place that he went to. Every people that he discovered. Allah knew about that already. Because, وَفَوْقَ كُلِّ ذِي عِلْمٍ عَلِيمٍ And then Zulqarnayn, obviously, he continued. He went on. He didn't stop over there. 
and he went to another place where he came across a certain people and he protected them from who? Ya'juj and Ma'juj. Listen to the recitation of all of these ayat and then we'll continue. وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَن ذِي الْقَرْنَيْنِ قُلْ سَأَتْلُوا عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْهُ ذِكْرًا إِنَّا مَكَّنَّا لَهُ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَآتَيْنَاهُ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ سَبَبًا فَأَتْبَعَ سَبَبًا حَتَّى إِذَا بَلَغَ مَغْرِبَ الشَّمْسِ وَجَدَهَا تَغْرُبُ فِي عَيْنٍ حَمِئَةٍ وَوَجَدَ عِنْدَهَا قَوْمًا قُلْنَا يَا ذَا الْقَرْنَيْنِ إِمَّا أَنْ تُعَذِّبَ وَإِمَّا أَنْ تَتَّخِذَ فِيهِمْ حُسْنًا قال أما من ظلم فسوف نعذبه ثم يرد إلى ربه فيعذبه عذابا نكرا وأما من آمن وعمل صالحا فله جزاء الحسنى وسنقول له من أمرنا يسرا ثم أتبع سببا حتى إذا بلغ مطلع الشمس وجدها تطلع على قوم لم نجعل لهم من دونها سترا كذلك وقد أحطنا بما لديه خبرا If you notice this place that he reached in the extreme east, it hasn't mentioned exactly what he did over there. Isn't it? Whereas the place of extreme west where he reached, he was told, you have the choice, So what's the objective of mentioning that he reached the east as well? To show that his empire was that huge. That from the west all the way to the east, from the extreme west to the extreme east, this is what his empire included. But remember that right? So he had the ability to do whatever he wanted. He had the freedom, he had the power, he had the choice. But because he was just, he would only do that which was necessary. 